0: everybody. This is Adrienne Garland and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am so excited to welcome Eva Janata to Sugar Coated today. Eva is somebody who I met through a coaching program that we both love. um, And she is an expert marketing strategist and marketing consultant. What I really love about Eva is she has such a powerful way with words and that's why I wanted to introduce her to all of you today. So welcome Eva. Hi Adrian, thank you. Yeah, it's uh it's so exciting. You know, I I really love the the power of some of these groups that I'm a part of. And you're one of the people who was just so open and friendly and reached out to me and uh, have also offered some, you know, added value. You've facilitated a a separate group that was incredible. I would love to just learn a little bit more about you, what you do today and sort of how you got started.
1: Yeah, so I'll answer the first part first. So what I do today is my company, we help leaders and entrepreneurs in the women helping women economy to stand out online. And Love to break it. that down, that means we typically work with service providers whose services impact women. So we work with a lot of coaches and consultants in, in sectors like diversity and inclusion or negotiation or career advancement And we help them stand out online, help them be heard, sought after and hired for their work through thought leadership and social media marketing and overall like communication strategy. So like how they convey themselves to the world and to the audience, their audience.
0: I love it. And, you know, this is, as everybody knows, who sort of knows anything about She Leads Media, this is (laughs) something that I'm super passionate about. It is critically important for women to be able to communicate their thoughts, ideas, and opinions and get those out into the world. So I I do a lot of work with women and helping them to understand the media. And Mm. it seems like you come at it from the thought leadership perspective. All of those things can work so beautifully together, though, because when the media, when you pitch the media and do that in the right way, you know, the media is you're going to have to give them some links to your background and your thoughts so that they can see that you are a credible person. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like what you do is you help those women to sort of build that body of work.
1: Yes. And I love that phrase body of work. Also, we call it intellectual property sometimes, but really helping, you know, women, they have their ideas, they have this deep subject matter expertise. And it can be challenging to take that knowledge and convey it to the world in a way that they're going to understand that they're going to find really magnetic and compelling and unignorable. And Mm. so that is the role that my company plays.
0: What do you think is the biggest obstacle for women? Because I, I will say that I suffer from that as well. I, I know that I have, you know, deep expertise in a couple of different areas. But when I really sit down to think about what's my thought leadership, you know, what should I be writing yeah. about on a consistent basis? I get
1: so lost. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's hard to choose just one big block, because I think what's more common is that several different blocks are kind of all playing together at the same time. And so, you know, one thing that comes up is what I call a curse of knowledge. And so that's where you know what you know so well, and it's so obvious to you, that when it when you think about what you want to share with the world, it almost seems like silly to, to share that. Because we're like, well, everybody knows this already. Like, why would I talk about that? Literally, everyone knows that. And so that's one place where women entrepreneurs can get stuck is they forget that what they know so well is really valuable and insightful to others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think another thing that's really a challenge can be, you know, the way women have been socialized, typically speaking, is where taught to be appeasing and to be pleasing and to be accommodating and to kind of not make waves and get along. And, and that's a really, those are valuable skills in a lot of situations. But when it comes to being a thought leader, you actually want people to disagree with you, you want to say things that are bold and galvanizing, and that folks are not going to like necessarily. Mm. And when you do that, you're, you're really exposing yourself to well, disagreement, to people not liking you, to people questioning you. And that feels very, can feel very unsafe. There are a lot of, you know, we've been trained, I think, from our upbringing, but also from what we see in the media that it's not safe to, as, as a woman, to be visible necessarily. And so that is a, is a real big barrier for folks when it comes to putting their thought leadership out there in a way that's not like watered down or vanilla Mm. But really, really compelling. So how, how do you get women
0: past that? Because I, I know that we sort of know logically and and completely understand what you're saying that in order to uh, really be that thought leader, you do need to put out content that could be, you know, very polarizing and that it exposes you to criticism. Yeah. How so it's, it's almost like there's a psychological component to it, too. So it's not just yeah. the writing. How do you absolutely how do you get women, because I know that that is what your work is is focused on. And, and you have a lot of background. I know you studied uh, women's issues in, in college. How do you sort of get women past that conditioning and, and get them to a place where they, they can put those bold ideas out into the world? Yeah, well, that's
1: a, that's a good question. And I would say it's not so much something that you can just get past, like it's a line that you cross over and then you're done with it forever. But it's an ongoing process of re-educating yourself and doing the inner work that's required to feel safe in your body and in your life, even when you've exposed one of your ideas for feedback. Mm -hmm. And so I would say there are two things. One, which is outside the scope of what I do is I think it's really important for women entrepreneurs, for people of all genders to work on their inner selves. So whether that's with a therapist or a mindset coach or just as much as you can on your own through reading and journaling and exercises to understand how your nervous system works, what triggers you to feel unsafe, what can you do when you're feeling unsafe to soothe yourself and what are some of the beliefs you have almost always from your upbringing, uh, that, that hold you back from expressing yourself and using your voice as loud as you can. Mm. So I don't do that kind of work, but I recommend that everyone and their mother do it with, with people who are qualified. But when it comes to working with my clients, one thing that I find is really helpful is for for you to have a degree of separation between your bold magnetic thought leadership and publishing it. And so for example, if like you Adrian are like, okay, I'm sitting down, I'm going to put my thought leadership into words. And then you said you feel like totally lost. What is, what can make such a difference is if you're working with someone like me and I'm doing the writing and I'm taking the notes and I'm capturing the ideas. And all you need to do is basically close your eyes and word vomit at me what you think. And I ask you questions and I and I prompt you to tell me some stories or to explain things in more detail to me. And then I take all of that and I turn it into a really compelling article or a script for a video or a script for a podcast episode. And so that, that separation between actually having to formulate your ideas like have having them versus like forming them that that separation can make it so much less daunting to just put your ideas out there because somebody else is doing the work of turning them into a piece of content does that make sense it makes
0: so much sense and uh, uh, the the thought that 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 kept running through my mind as you're talking is everyone needs eva. <laughs> really like everyone needs eva because that is such a real phenomenon. I love this idea of separation. It is the thing I think that makes the difference between putting something out there and just keeping it, you know, hidden behind the curtain. Right. And having enough courage to ask somebody like you specifically for help. And and also, it seems to me that you're going to help somebody to formulate those bold ideas, but you're not going to set that person up so that when that content goes out into the world, that it is something that is going to, you know, cause like a huge backlash. I'm sure that you are also looking for that. So it seems to me that people really you have to really build trust with people,
1: yeah, yeah. And you know partly when you when you hire anybody who's an expert in something, whether it's like you in terms of media support or somebody who's a graphic designer or a branding person or somebody like me who helps with thought leadership and communications, there's you know, especially if you've followed that person for a time or they come recommended to you there's a degree of trust already built in and i think too like when i hire a plumber i don't need to like build a relationship with him in order to trust that he knows how to do his job or right. her job right and so i think similarly when you hire an expert for services there's an element of trust built in that you know that she knows what she's doing and that you can trust that she's going to take care of you as best she can
0: yeah what prompted you to focus your attention, I guess, even starting in college, but on the whole idea of women and the, the women's economy, if you will?
1: Yeah, so it was a long path, um, as I, you know, long and, and nonlinear as they often are. So when I went into university, and a sidebar is that I have a lot of thoughts about the university system and how young we expect people to yes. declare a major and all of that. Yes. So, for my part when I entered at, you know, 19, I didn't know what the heck to major in, but I knew what I was good at and what I was interested in, and that was gender and women's studies and English. Hmm. And so I got my degrees in those two fields and the most like the FAQ I got most often was Um, so what are you going to do with that when you graduate? (laughs) Which was so like, it's such an annoying question. It really put, or at least at the time, it really made me feel defensive. And, um, it also, well, that's the main thing. It just, it wasn't a very, it's not a very supportive question. It, It can be, you know, just from a place of curiosity, but more often than not, there's some judgment loaded into that question. Yeah, And so it gives me great pleasure today that I've built a job for myself that's very much connected with my degree in gender studies. But I didn't do that at first. You know, I worked in corporate for a little while and then I started my business and I was just sort of, as you often do in the beginning in the freelance mindset, you're just like doing anything for anyone yep. who will pay you. So I did that for a while and I, and I worked part-time at a grocery store while I was building my business. So I had a couple different income streams. And it wasn't really until the last year that my coach or our coach, Eleanor Beaton, helped me articulate this idea of the women helping women economy. Mm. And I've been working with clients in that space for a long time, but I didn't have the words to say it that way. Mm. And She's a miracle worker, isn't she? I think she's a magician. I know.
0: <laughs> she Sidebar. I yeah. just... When you speak to her, she is able to sort of push away all of the clouds and just lightening in on yeah. on it and i i love hearing that story about her because you are an expert in this field and i i think that it's interesting that you also sort of have trouble because you turning the mirror on yourself it, it i don't know it, there's just something about it that doesn't work so no matter how expert you are you do need someone like eleanor to help and 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 really i do agree with you she is special she's a magician
1: Yeah, she's, she's, she's amazing. And that was a a mistake that I made for a long time is that I avoided getting help like her kind of support. Like I just I was I was in that mindset of like, kind of like bootstrapping and like, I can do it all myself. I'll just download all the free PDFs. And I'll learn how to do it myself. And that really delayed my progress for a long time. So I'm glad that I now recognize how important it is to get expert support.
0: I think that's so. a huge point just to to talk about that a little bit more. One of the things that I find both with myself and with other women entrepreneurs that I talk to every single day is mm-hmm. that we, we sort of logically know that we need help and we are so reluctant to get that help. Mm-hmm. What do you think that that is all about?
1: That's a... Interesting thing because I think part of it is, at least if you're in the United States, which you and I are, there's a really subtle and not so subtle culture of individualism here. Yeah. And this idea of, of anything that you achieve, that it's a result of only your effort and your wits and your intellect and your striving. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us, you know, they, they put that in the water supply. And so it can take a really long time to realize that that's at play in you and that you have that you have this, at least in my case, it was very like, I wasn't conscious of it, but I had this subconscious idea that I needed to do everything on my own. Yeah, And I think it's perpetuated in, or at least for me, it was in, in the kind of the female entrepreneur online world can be a very polarizing place i think and folks that i would follow women that i would follow i i often got the impression from their content and their messaging that they would achieved it all on their own yeah. that they just like happened to like build a website and then the next year they were making seven figures and yeah so i think those two like the the culture of individualism the way that women entrepreneurs sometimes position themselves or talk about their businesses online. And then, I don't know. I don't even actually, now that I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think those would be the two, those, those are the two forces that come to mind for me. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that there's online, there is a little bit of I don't think it's intentional. I think that the women that are successful online are doing their very best to show up and and sort of demonstrate that that you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. There's I think there's a message of positivity behind it, but I think when you're an outsider looking in, you're saying how how could she have done this all on her own? and she did it on her own and she's making seven figures and what does she have that I don't and then this whole you know blame uh, of how we're not good enough or we don't have all the right things or we're not you know we start looking at at things that that aren't like, well, maybe she had help. We start thinking she's thinner than me. <laughs> she has, you know, luxurious blonde hair. And, and we start looking and trying to pick apart the person rather mm. than really asking ourselves a logical question like, wait a minute, she obviously has a team of people helping her because nobody sort of makes it on their own. I do think that more and more people are, opening their kimono and saying Mm -hmm. that they don't do it on their own and that they do have a whole team of people helping them. Um, So yeah, that that sort of makes me feel a lot better. But I agree with you on the individualism and that it's in the water supply. I I mean, Eva, what an amazing (laughs) phrase, first of (laughs) all. But yeah, there's this idea that if you can't, make it on your own and hustle and grind and, you know, do all the things that as an entrepreneur, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad message. And the message for entrepreneurship really should be that Yes, you have this model, this ideal of like this single entrepreneur, you know, trekking through the desert and, and right. creating. She's a, she's a digital
1: nomad, of course. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and, you know, that that's not reality. So the more that we can have even conversations like this saying that, yeah, that There's certainly a certain level of success that you can achieve on your own.
1: But at a certain point, you tap out. There's no more to give. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue, like, sometimes I remind myself, like, nothing in my life is a result solely of my own achievement. I mean, coffee that I buy, foods that I buy, the car that I drive. I mean, when you really break down... Everything that we use on a day to day basis, you realize like, that you don't do anything alone. you're right. always relying on the expertise and the skills and the production of others and you know what's this is making me realize adrian is i was I was doing something similar recently. I have this um document that I use whenever I'm talking with a prospective client who might want to hire me i I kind of use this document to walk them through. Uh, different aspects of my business, and up until very recently, I didn't have a page in that document about my team. Hmm. And you're ma- and I and I added it recently because somebody asked, and now it's there. But you're making me realize, Adrian, that I was perpetuating this idea that it was just me yeah. doing all the work when I was talking to these prospects, and I didn't realize until the, right now in this conversation that I was I was playing a part in that.
0: Yeah. And you know what I think is uh, like, what a great realization. And I I also think that what ends up happening unintentionally is that when we sort of position ourselves as this, you know, solo person and we're talking to clients, we set the expectation for clients that they're always going to get us right?
1: Mm, Great point.
0: Right? You just made me think of this. (laughs) And what happens is, is that when you perhaps pass something off to a team member, or, you know, they're expecting that you are the one that's always available for them. And then when they don't get that, they their expectations are not met. Mm. So setting up from the get-go that, you know, yes, y- this is your business and, you know, the buck stops with you, of course, but that there's a whole team of people that are working behind the scenes to to bring this to life. It sort of sets the expectation for the client that they don't have carte blanche access to you.
1: That is such a good point, Adrian Absolutely.
0: And I think we do this as women because of... The people pleasing,
1: mm, we oh, want right. Oh, my nemesis.
0: <laughs> well, me too, and and it, it. I I am trying. Well, to try. Don't try. Do whatever that Yoda <laughs> phrase is. Um, but yeah, it's the the people pleasing is something that I believe gets in the way of of scaling a business and building a business.
1: It gets in the way of everything good in the world, I would yeah. say, because, yeah. you know, and you were mentioning earlier when it, when we were talking about thought leadership, like how do you step past the challenges that, that hold women back in their thought leadership and people pleasing is a huge one. Yeah. You know, if you want your thought leadership to make everyone who reads it happy and nod in agreement with you, then your thought leadership isn't thought leadership. It's something really, really bland that's probably been said before. Yeah. And when, yeah, when it comes to growing your business, when it comes to setting up boundaries for yourself with, with your family or with your clients, I mean, yeah, the more I become aware of how people pleasing shows up, the more I realize, yeah, like it's just, it just ruins everything. It makes everything worse.
0: Yeah. It's not a good, (laughs) uh, roadmap to be following. And I, I, and just hearkening back to some of the things that you said earlier, you know, being aware and sort of journaling those things out. Those are probably some of the best things that you can do. It's like clear the crap out of your mind so that you can grow a business so that you can have an opinion. And it's not to say that it's not important for people to like you and to want to follow things that you're doing. So I would say that there is a little bit of a fine line there. Um, hmm. Right? Because in order for people to want to hire you, they they want to like you, they want to work with you, they're not going to want to work with somebody who, you know, they don't like. So yeah. you, you have to balance that out. But going to the extreme and doing things to please people and to please people that we don't even know quite frankly is yeah.
1: pretty stupid it's pretty comical when you when you <laughs> think about it because it's like so it, like it's so ludicrous it and is. i would say like you you know when you were talking about how you know you if people are going to hire you they need to like you and that's true and the the three words they get bandied about a lot and a lot in marketing is uh, no like and trust yeah and for sure. But I think that you don't like if you are a kind person with integrity, you're going to please people and they're going to like you just by the very nature of being that kind of person and that you don't need to make an extra effort or do any sort of gymnastics <laughs> to to make people like you. I mean, when I think about people pleasing, I realize that it's it can be very, it's very manipulative. It is like I'm really like it, First of all, it makes me feel needy. In, which is not pleasant, and it's also like I'm trying to manipulate someone into having a certain view of me right whereas if I am really grounded in myself and um, acting with a lot of with integrity and with kindness, then people will like me and those that don't it's not about me and I don't need to do anything extra to earn that from them yeah that that I
0: think that that is so wise and these are the things that we need to to learn and they show up so much I Mm -hmm. I believe in entrepreneurship yeah
1: yeah I mean I think entrepreneurship is like what a roller coaster ride through your own psyche oh my goodness right
0: yeah when people ask, like, what's the hardest thing about entrepreneurship, I think that they expect answers like, "Oh, growing revenue or selling." Well, m- maybe selling because there is a little bit of, you know, your psyche behind that. But it's just the whole entire process of all of the 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 shit that comes to the surface yeah. about you, and it, it's it's right in your face. You have to deal with it because if you don't, you're never going to be able to build your
1: business yeah, I would say the hardest thing about entrepreneurship is my brain, yeah, frankly <laughs> my monkey mind, <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's like the my greatest asset, and also, you know its shadow side is is my greatest challenge? Is it always throwing things in my way that I don't expect?
0: I think that that is why I also was drawn to you and and why I quite frankly like you because I see a lot of, you know, the same type of uh, well, first of all, I admire how brilliant you are and the what the way that you have with words is beautiful. Oh, so I admire you. that so much. And then I ju- you you do have a really kind way about you and people are drawn to you. Um, so I, I think that that's why. And it, it's really like out of Many people in the incubator. You are one of the ones that I really feel a genuine connection with. I'm
1: so glad to hear
0: that, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. And aside from Eleanor, <laughs> who I, uh, I'm always like, I wish that I lived near you because I want to be friends right. with you. <laughs> right? Totally. I, you know, um, I also just noticed on your LinkedIn profile that one of the well, you I see that you worked with Allie Brown, and I know that she yes. is she is a superstar. Uh, yes. But one of the other women that I I see that you've worked with is Selena Rezvani. Yes, and Selena spoke at my She Leads conference last year. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I know when I what saw cool her name. Thing. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah. Isn't she just, just so lovely. She's terrific. Yeah. So I love that you sort of have these superstar women that you've worked with. How did you, how were you able to connect with, with them and, and work with them? Because I think a lot of people th- there's certain people that they would love to work with. Right. Yeah. But you know, it's fear, whatever. How did you go about reaching out to them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what I've been, one of the things I've been doing this year, which you know well, Adrian, is I hold these uh, small, they're, they're capped at four people round table conversations with other women entrepreneurs. And they're these loosely structured, basically networking slash friend making calls with the intention of helping women forge deep connections in their network, not just broad connections. Yep. And, one of the questions that I ask in every conversation is, uh, "How are you reaching your audience today? What's working well? What are the challenges?" And so I've talked now with dozens of women entrepreneurs, and by far, far and away, the the most common answer to this question of how are you reaching your audience today is word of mouth and referrals. Mm. So. Selena was a referral from another client. In fact, most of the clients that I work with are referrals from others. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I have no complaints about it. Yeah. And when it gets to the point where you're growing your company, something I remember Eleanor saying on a, on a coaching call was that you have to transition from being a, I think she put it, a service providing company to an audience building company. hmm And so there's this interesting transition point when you're growing where probably your warm network and referrals from there are not going to give you the volume of leads and prospects that you need if you're working with a lot of people and you're scaling your services. So that's kind of a tangent. But um, I've been thinking about it a lot because I hear so often from women entrepreneurs that we have this great word of mouth referral network network that we're part of. And that's fantastic. And there's, I think a lot of opportunity for us to expand beyond that when it comes to selling services at a greater volume. Yeah. So, so that's, that's most, that's my, my answer. But the other thing I wanted to share is I'm actually going to be publishing an article, I think next week about how I position myself to be connected with preeminent leaders like Allie Brown. And I tell the story in the article, so I'll send you a link to it when it's ready. But, um, you know, she and I live in the same city. And I've been following her for a long time through her podcast. And I had the opportunity to meet her actually at one of Eleanor Beaton's events. Mm. And so there were kind of a couple different touch points, uh, ways that we connected with each other uh, before it came to the point where she was looking to hire someone with my with my skill set for marketing and podcast production. So yeah, that's that's the short version of how I, how I got to meet Allie. So
0: networking, networking, networking. I, uh, it's funny, I teach a class at NYU and it's all about entrepreneurship and business plan development in the event management industry. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the class so much and I love all the enthusiasm of the students. It says at a graduate level. So they're, uh, you know, they have some work experience, so they're not you know, newbies. And I always talk about how important your network is. And they are, they agree. And a lot of the questions that come up is like, okay, well, how do I connect with people Mm. during
1: coronavirus? I love this question. So what is your advice? You know, I just read an article about this too, because, so let me ask you this first, Adrian. So how often have you heard the phrase or maybe even thought, that it's really hard to make friends as an adult.
0: I've heard that phrase. I personally do not have that problem, not to toot my own horn.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. So I too have heard this phrase all over the place from, from colleagues and people in my network and friends. I also have never had that thought cross my mind because I find it very, very easy and fun to make friends. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and so what in the last article that I wrote about this, I kind of broke down the steps to making friends and how transferable those are to online connections. Mm. And particularly in, during a pandemic when we can't meet people in person, it's, but the, the steps you take to meet someone in person when you think about like, you introduce yourself, you ask certain kinds of questions, maybe you get their contact information, maybe you follow up, all of those things can be done online. Yeah, And for me, LinkedIn is my absolute favorite like tool for that. And so I am connecting with people all the time. You know, just last week I read a really interesting article in the New York Times about the Myers Briggs personality assessment and how it can be a barrier to inclusion in the work in the workplace. Mm. And I thought it was a great article. And I looked at the woman who wrote it her name, I grabbed it, I pasted it into my LinkedIn search bar, I found her, I connected with her And I intend to follow up with her because I think she's a really fascinating woman. And so what I would encourage folks to do is when you, well, let me back up. So I think that where a lot of people get stuck making new connections, whether in person or online, is they get really nervous about making the first move. Mm, And they think, I don't want to bother them. What if that's too forward? What if it's awkward? What if they don't want to, what if they reject me? There's a lot of, we do a lot of what ifing around <laughs> making the first move. And so we end up kind of acting like wallflowers and just sort of like waiting for other people to magically want to talk to us, even though we're not behaving in a way that makes us someone they'd want to talk to. If you're like, imagine if you're in a room and you're standing by the door and you're staring at your phone, who's going to, you know, nobody's going to come over and talk to you. Right. And Such so... Such a good analogy. Yeah. So I really encourage people, if you read something that's interesting to you, if you hear a podcast episode with a guest that you really like, if you, if you see that someone who knows someone else that you're curious about, I would encourage you to make the first move. Just reach out to that person on LinkedIn or on Instagram or through the contact form on their website. I've done that a number of times. And the, the way that I typically start out is I just tell them that I like their work. Yeah, And nobody hates a compliment like that. I
0: love this advice so much because I think what people do is in addition to putting pressure on themselves and, and not reaching out, that when they end up reaching out, they go straight into sales pitch mode. Mm-hmm. Ugh, such a big mistake.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, I think, where people can get uncomfortable with the idea of networking is because they feel like the point of networking is to have this ulterior sales motive. Right. When I would argue the point of networking is to make new friends. Right. And there's like... And and when when you take the ulterior motive out, when you take out the pressure that you're going to be putting on yourself to turn them into a client pretty quickly or to add them to your email list or to get something from them, and if you change your goal to just connecting with them and paying them a compliment or whatever, that goal is totally different. And the energy of the interaction becomes totally different.
0: Yeah. You know, you just reminded me, I started to read and I I think I had read it before, but whatever. I'm starting to (laughs) read the book, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I've never read that. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I'm not, you know, very far into it. But one of the things that he talks about when it comes to you know, success is obviously this idea, which is these tiny little improvements over time compound mm-hmm. and so they turn into something big, which is like really interesting, but that instead of focusing on goals, like what you're talking about, like, oh, the goal is to get more clients, right? So I'm right. going to reach out to people on LinkedIn and you put all this pressure on yourself, the the people that are successful more so follow the process and the habit. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. And almost, almost forget about the goal because hmm. the process is the thing that is ultimately going to lead you to your success. So like what you're talking about on LinkedIn, the process of reaching out to people and doing that on a consistent basis without an ulterior motive is actually the thing that's going to help you to achieve your goal.
1: Ah, okay. So if you just get into the habit of reaching out to people when they pique your interest. Yes. And, you know, forget about the goal. The point, the point is the process. Yes. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Because it makes I can a lot totally of sense. Yeah. See how that would compound over time. And, yeah. you know, who, who can imagine the opportunities that could come to you with all of these new connections you're making. Correct. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So
0: yeah, a little plug on that uh, James Clear Atomic Habits book. And again, like I'm not very far into it, but I'm looking forward because there are certain things that I would like to to do in my personal life and my professional life, where I want a radical change, and yeah. everything that I've done to sort of move toward that radical change just ends up you know, backfiring, or mm. I just you know I get exhausted from whatever it takes to do it, and so sure. I I thought, well, if I could do something
1: little every day, maybe in ten years <laughs> I'll get to where I want to go. But That's Eva, really good point, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I it reminded me my so my mindset coach is a woman named Tracy Litt of the Lit Factor. I also met her through the incubator. Hmm. And she talks about how we, we often when it comes to fear, you know, everybody knows fear holds us back, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to fear, what a lot of folks don't do when they're trying to quote unquote, power through their fear is to take those baby steps. Yeah. And so we, you might have, like, I've had expectations for myself, like, oh, like, next week, I'm going to do, I'm going to write, like, five articles. And when it comes to it, that's a little intimidating to me. And so uh, to break that down, I need to, I need to maybe, maybe I need to outline five ideas, or maybe I need to write one article. But the idea of these, like, I, I just needed to say this because I get stuck on this a lot personally, which is yeah. where I have these, grandiose ideas and the timeline for them is insane yeah. in my mind. Like it like it's way Unrealistic. too fast. Unrealistic. <laughs> but it doesn't give me enough time for my whole system to get used to that idea and to build the habits and to build the processes. And so what you just shared really, really resonates with me.
0: Yeah. And check it out. I think there's some... Um... I don't know the name of it, but there's some things that you can look up that sort of give the main ideas from some of these books. And Mm -hmm. I I think not focusing so much on that big goal because it can be overwhelming and to focus on something that almost seems controllable, like a process, like if you create the process for yourself and then not to go into this book, but there's also the idea that if you can identify, if your identity is one of, you know, I'm a writer, mm-hmm. that that's also a very powerful force. So hmm. he gives an example about like smoking and, he, and you ask one person, you know, do you want a cigarette? And one of, the pers- one of the people answers, I'm trying to quit. And the other person answers, I'm not a smoker. It, hmm. it takes away the decision because you don't identify as a smoker, interesting, so it's not even something that comes into your it's not something you have to will, you know, to have willpower about. It's just something who you are. So, like, if you can identify yourself as a writer, right? and what what do writers do? Writers, you know, write every day. you know, i'm yeah. I'm, I'm oversimplifying this. But I just think that this idea of an identity and then a focus on a process is is really powerful. Um, So, yeah, Eva, I feel like I could just go on and on and and go off into 10,000 directions. But I, I know that we have limited time here. So. I I would love to just share with the audience where they can, you know, contact you, reach out to you, talk to you, because I would love to be able to offer that to you and have people connect with you.
1: Well, as I probably made abundantly clear, I love making new friends. So please do connect with me. And the best ways to do that. So first off, I wanted to share, I do have a free email course about the five magnetic pillars of thought leadership. And it guides you to publish those bold opinions and insights and the expertise you have and we we're talking about. Love it. So that's a great way to connect with me. You can go to 5 That's the number five and the rest is spelled out. Okay. And so that's, that's number one. That's a great way to get a feel for me. And you can respond to any email and I'm going to get it and I will write back to you. And then secondly, find me on LinkedIn.
0: Great great yeah
1: just make sure when you send me a connection or request just write a note to tell me that you learned about me from here and I would love to to meet you I love it well thank you
0: so much I appreciate your time I appreciate your wisdom I appreciate your friendship (laughs) so thank you so much Eva thanks Adrienne this was this was great take care bye